fisted hand at the grindstone. Draft reply to Mr. H. Pearson. Hard and sharp as flint, secretive and self-contained, as solitary as an oyster. Dismiss Mr. Pearson's request for deferral of payment. He carried his own low temperature about with him, whatever the weather. The cold within him froze his old features, nipped his pointed nose, shriveled his cheeks, and stiffened his limbs. Issue to Mr. Pearson, in unequivocal terms, an absolutely final demand. Yes, good. Frost was on his head, his eyebrows, and his wiry chin. No wind that blew was bitterer than he. No falling snow was more intent upon its purpose. Foul weather didn't know how to beat him. Nobody ever stopped him in the street to smile and say, My dear Scrooge, how are you? When will you come to see me? No man or woman asked him for directions. Spare us some change. No beggar in the street. Spare us some change. Requested open-handedness from Scrooge. Spare us some bear. Oh, it's you. Even blind men's dogs recognized him. <laughs> and, as if shunning the evil eye, would tug their sightless owners into doorways or alleys, and then wag their tails in relief. What does Scrooge care? To edge his way along the crowded paths of life, warning all human sympathy to keep its distance, was the very thing he liked. Scrooge has arrived at his counting house. Neatly inscribed above the door, do you see? Scrooge and Marley. Marley, though dead for seven years, is still, in a nominal sense, attached to the firm. Scrooge and Marley. Scrooge answers to both names. It's all the same to him. Well then, to work. Good morning, sir. What? I said good morning, sir. You're late. The church clock, sir, has only just... You're late, Cratchit. Yes, sir. I'm sorry. This particular day, of all the good days in the year, was Christmas Eve, and for Bob Cratchit, Scrooge's clerk, the hours passed very slowly. It was cold and bleak and gloomy in Scrooge's counting house, almost as cold and bleak and gloomy as it was outside. Scrooge's fire was very small. In the room adjacent to Scrooge's, Bob Cratchit's dismal little cell, the fire was so very much smaller than Scrooge's that it seemed to be no more than a single coal. For the attention of Mr. F. Kaplan Esquire. Scrooge, of course, kept the coal box under strict supervision, 
and Bob Cratchit understood that any attempt to visit it would result in his immediate dismissal. So, he wrapped his white comforter more tightly around himself. There were at least three feet of it, excluding the fringe, and tried also to derive some warmth from the candle. But being a man of limited imagination, he failed in this endeavour. The hours passed very slowly. Three o'clock, and there was already darkness outside, darkness and fog, so dark, so thick, that neighbouring buildings were mere phantoms. Candles flared in the windows like ruddy smears upon the palpable...